0: It's just after 8 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, SportsX Radio with Ken Thompson. (laughs) Yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. For peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmer's Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Leverer's Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium, and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the aviators. PromoDirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. PromoDirect.com. And by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready, because Sports X Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. Ah, yes, it does.
1: It is KT Live, 1750 North Buffalo. It is Steiner's Pub, where I have been for the last umpteen years. Right here, one of three locations in the Vegas Valley. You got the other two down. If you're over there in the Henderson area, that side of town, right there Las Vegas Boulevard, in between South Point, Mandalay Bay. It's actually 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South, right there at Windmill. And then the original 8410 West Cheyenne, that is the one that is the oldest and now 25 years old this year and of course 1750 north buffalo i believe that was the third one to open but it is a great property right here at vegas drive inside the albertson shopping center and a great crowd once again i mean the bar is absolutely packed i don't think there's an open seat maybe one maybe one open seat uh but it is wall to wall you got great gaming there great setup cleanliness big time roger sacks pet peeve i mean no dust on any of the bottles they got them all what they don't have on tap, they've got in the bottle. Great IPAs, lots of great beers, always great beer specials, always great specials going on, especially when the Golden Knights or the Raiders are in action. Of course, the Raiders are going to drive you to drink big time, so make sure you set up a ride if you're going to watch the Raider games at any of the three Steiners Pub locations. Just teasing, having a little fun, uh, you know, bleeding at silver and black, and it's been a tough year. We'll get into that a little bit. Mark Hoke, of course, the best producer in the land. And, of course, he is the host of the Mark Hoke Show Sunday mornings. You like professional wrestling, you'll love the Mark Hoke Show. Mark will chime in with me. Now, normally Mark Lawrence is set to go at this time on Wednesday nights. Mark's sister passed away last night or yesterday afternoon. And so he is... uh, not in any shape, working things with family and doing all that stuff, trying to uh, set up the celebration of life and all that stuff. So uh, he will not be back until next Wednesday unless uh, funeral arrangements run in there. So he let me know. And, of course, that's the day before Thanksgiving. So a tough time for family members to ever lose anybody. So we're hoping that, you know, everything's okay with your family. Appreciate all of our listeners. Got so many local listeners and so many from you know, far away, not just in this country, but all over the world. And that's kind of cool when you can go on, you know, some of the sites and kind of see where people are listening. Always kind of makes you realize that, you know what, you're not alone. Sometimes you feel alone. Sometimes you know that, uh, you know, you maybe didn't do your best show and you're like, gosh, I hope nobody heard it. Then you find out, you know, people in Kazakhstan are listening and they're, uh, you know, they're, they're grading you on a scale of uh, zero to one that night. But lots of stuff going on. Look, college basketball. Back hot and heavy. The one game I really liked, I said Moneyline, I took Texas against Gonzaga. The number two Zags, they had to struggle mightily just to get a one-point win against Michigan State. That same Michigan State team that took out Kentucky. And I said, you know what, Texas at home with Chris Beard, they're going to be jacked up for this game. They're the number 11 team in the country. Right now, Drew Timmy, Mark Few, and the Gonzaga Bulldogs I know they're off to a 2-0 start, but they're down 17 big ones, 75-58 midway through the second half. We'll see if that stands up. Hunter has 26 points for the Longhorns already, and uh, that is a pretty good start. So Arthur DeCesar, of course, supervisor over there at the beautiful Westgate Superbook, Dice 21 on Twitter. He will join me at 840. And then at 910, got my good pal Chuck Hayes. Chuck Hayes, of course, the Trojan Report. And then, uh, you know, Chuck's been around L.A. for a long, long time. He's an East Coast guy, transplanted way back when, played his football at Long Beach State and, of course, follows all the teams. The Trojan Report he works on, big game coming up, USC at UCLA coming up on Saturday, get into that game big time, covers the Chargers. Tell you what, first off, I had the Niners teased in that Sunday night game. I got to tell you how fortunate I felt just to hit the teaser. They were never covering the outright line of 6.5, which actually closed at 7.5. Never got there. And I know Christian McCaffrey now has been there for a while. Nick Bosa did play. Defense is starting to come around. And they did come around in the second half. They shut out the Chargers in the second half. But at the end of the day, Herbert and the Chargers look like the better team in the first half. No question. You bring into consideration they didn't have Mike Williams. Still don't have Keenan Allen. You get those two guys back. This Charger team is legit. You're not going to catch the Chiefs for first place, but they will be a very dangerous wild card in the AFC. I thought the Raiders were going to be that wild card team. Actually, I thought the Raiders did have a chance to win the AFC West. And it's been tough times, there's no question. And you hear a lot of things going on, you know, based on the press conference with uh, Derek Carr going up to the podium, getting very emotional, kind of uh, saying, you know, that everybody's got to kind of be on the same page. And so reporters and, and media reading into the tea leaves, so to speak. So there's a lot of things going around. Uh, you know, Bill Plasky from the L.A. Times coming out saying, you know, basically Mark Davis, you know, can't fire the coach, Josh McDaniels, because he can't afford to pay two coaches. He's owner poor, so to speak. I don't know how true that is. I mean, guy went out and bought the Las Vegas Aces, right? Just won a championship there. So maybe, you know, maybe there's uh, just not a liquidated not a lot of liquidated cash but at the end of the day I'm sure Mark Davis knows people that if he really felt he had to make a move or wanted to make a move then he would make that move it was a package deal with Ziegler McDaniels coming over and so nine games into the season I know you kind of look at it and I do too based on what happened with Josh McDaniels the last time he was a head coach right started out 6-0 and with the Broncos ended up struggling mightily in those last bunch of games and i think his record ended up 11 and 17 so meaning that he lost 17 of his last 22 there somewhere in that neighborhood i know he's dropped i want to say 24 of his last 31 games if that's correct and uh two and seven right now so you know it's tough but when you look back at some of the games and again the game that pops right up that i remember was the game on my birthday September 18th and that of course being the game the Cardinals came in town Raiders home opener where they're up 20 to nothing and probably should have been 27 nothing at halftime but up 20 to nothing and then the Cardinals come back and win the game in overtime that game if you go back and look that kind of puts a a rubber stamp as to what type of season it's been so far for the Raiders it's just been one of those to where you thought you had some games, you didn't get them. And that was one that right away would even their record up at 1-1. and Instead, they'd go to 0-2. The game against the Chargers, the opener, they only lose that game by five points, and they really didn't play great ball. They got sacked six times, a car actually five, and, and then the one on the uh, end around try to Devontae Adams. So, you know, six sacks there in that game. But that's been the Raiders' M.O. with their offensive line going against that Chargers team with Joey Bosa and company, and now with Khalil Mack there, you don't think he likes anything better than sacking the silver and black big time. So 0-2, but still we're able to you know get a couple wins in those first five before the bye, but again, losing to the Colts the way they did. And it's really magnified because Jeff Saturday, yeah, I know he's a great center for Peyton Manning for all those years and a very cerebral guy. You watched him in ESPN, you know, excelling there, and the guy knows the game inside out. But that's where you start questioning and saying, how could the Raiders' veteran staff, again, Josh McDaniels around 22 years in the NFL, Patrick Graham, defensive coordinator, has been around for a while. You know, you're just wondering, how could that staff lose to this Colts staff that's basically in disarray? Well, it happened, and, you know, it's been tough. But when you think about it as glass half full, which you try to do if you're a Raider fan, and it's been like that for probably... When 17 to the last 20, 20 years, you're you're looking at something glass half full because it hasn't been half full. Last year it was, and not till the end of the season. This is a team that was six and seven, and for all intents and purposes, you're hoping maybe they get to nine and eight. But they reel off four straight wins to end the season. They get to the playoffs. Then they go to Cincinnati. They play the Bengals, and they give the Bengals all they want and then some and of course that's the team that represents the AFC in the Super Bowl Raiders right there within inside a touchdown or down to a touchdown and a chance to get there they're inside the red zone uh, late in that game against Cincinnati and come up a little bit short so there was a lot of optimism and you know here's the thing I'm thinking you know owner Mark Davis yeah he knows Raider Nation never really going to warm up to anybody from the Patriots organization unless they win right so skeptical still in the back of Raider fans mind is that tuck rule game right never gonna get that away and then of course with Brady you know doing that little deal that he did with Charles Woodson and Woodson of course the one that caused the fumble uh you know you kind of say all right the Raiders got job but you're bringing the package deal with Ziegler and McDaniels and so you're thinking coach Josh McDaniels is going to be able to take care of business based on his experience with the Denver Broncos, the early start, getting off to a 6-0 start as a head coach, then floundering in his last umpteen games there with the Broncos. Then he left the Colts on the doorstep. Remember, he was going to take that head coaching job. He didn't take it. Kind of backed out at the last second. But he goes back to being the offensive coordinator there for the Patriots. So, you know, when you have a veteran quarterback like Tom Brady for all those years you know, you feel comfortable and you feel like, you know what, maybe I don't have to be a head coach. You know, I enjoy working as a coordinator at a very high level. And there's no higher level than there was over there. I mean, going back and forth to the Super Bowl all those years and being part of something that was truly masterful. And coming here to get that second opportunity, you're thinking, you know, it's a package deal. Owner Mark Davis, yes, he heard it from Raider Nation. Like, come on, you're bringing in Patriots. Gosh, dang it. But again, you're trying to bring a winning culture here. Or you're trying to stay with what became a winning culture. So Coach Basaccia, although a player guy, a player's coach, and the guys really excelled big time after Gruden was let go, after the Henry Ruggs situation. I mean, there was so much stuff going on in the early part of last year. It was overwhelming. And so for that team, To step up to the podium and actually make it to the postseason was big time. So now you bring in a Devontae Adams. You've got Darren Waller coming back. You've got Hunter Renfro, who really excelled last year. Yeah, you lost a few players. You traded Ngakwe. You got Yassine. But you're okay with trading Ngakwe. Why? Because you got Chandler Jones. You got Chandler Jones, and Chandler Jones is supposed to help Max Crosby. Chandler Jones has not helped Max Crosby. Chandler Jones, how many sacks does he have? Like, I can count him on no fingers. It's ridiculous. I mean, if he has one, maybe he's got one. Max Crosby has most of the sacks. It's been the same story for Raider Nation. I talked about this year after year. Whether Gruden was there, doesn't much matter. This team does not create turnovers. This team does not sack the opposing quarterback outside of Max Crosby. Max Crosby is a guy that is a beast. This is a kid out of Eastern Michigan, speaking of MAC football, they were in action tonight, but a kid out of, out of Eastern Michigan that nobody thought was going to be the type of pro Bowl player that he is. So when you bring in a Chandler Jones, who had a great start to a solid season last year with the Arizona Cardinals, remember the Cardinals got off to that 7-0 start. And Chandler Jones was part of the reason on the defensive side of the ball. Kyler Murray excelled on the offense, got things going. People realized, hey, this guy may not be able to see over the line of scrimmage. But he gets outside the pocket. He's good. And then everything unraveled for the Cardinals in the second half of the year. And, of course, they got blown out in the playoff game against the Rams big time. Aaron Donald all over Kyler Murray, who had in that game, as I magnify it, two carries for six yards, totally not doing what makes Kyler Murray such a dangerous quarterback that's being a dual threat. So the Raiders' own problems, you know, we're trying to figure out where do we go from here. Well, we go to Denver. We go to Denver this week. Two and seven. They need a win, and they need a win badly. And they beat the Broncos. That's one of their two wins. It's a game that they got their other win against a one-win Houston Texans team, a team you know under Lovey Smith with Davis Mills a quarterback that plays hard. They play with heart, but they're just not that talented. The Raiders have a lot of talent. It's just not all gelling together. And so my takeaway, and I talked about this the other night. Part of my takeaway, I get it you don't want starters to risk injury in the preseason. And so the preseason gets shortened to three games from four games. But the Raiders did play four games this year because they were in the Hall of Fame game. I was there in Canton, Ohio. So they got the Jaguars in that game. So you had four preseason games. So in those four preseason games, the only guy you had back really as a mainstay starter on the offensive line was left tackle Colton Miller. So you may okay, you don't want to risk injury. I get it. But an offensive line is based on timing, It's based on being cohesive. You've got to have some type of chemistry, right? You've got to have it. Brady's teams, they didn't have the greatest all-pro offensive linemen, but they had guys that were together for a while and that played well as a unit. And that's what made that team so solid. And they really, you know, Brady trusted in those guys to give him the time, the protection. Because he doesn't have the lateral movement or the speed that Derek Carr has. So there were a couple things, you know, I took away from, you know, just watching the team in practice early. Number one, in the preseason, they didn't get really any type of chemistry going there with the offensive line because they didn't play together. They were too afraid to have people get hurt. Well, you know what? It's it's come back to bite them a little bit. And, you know, then I continue to tell my side That if I were an offensive coordinator in the NFL, and I get it. I haven't been one. I didn't coach in the NFL for 22 years. But I have watched football at every level for almost a half century. And so I feel that I can see things pretty well. Well enough that I'm able to wager on the games as they're going, right? We talk about in-game wagering. I'll put myself up against almost anybody. That includes Brad Powers when a game is going. Now, going into the game or prior to the game, I'll tip my hat to Brad Powers. Nobody does his homework like Brad, outside of Joe Lisi. Joe Lisi does his homework as well, but Joe's not as well-versed as far as the gaming, although he's getting into it. But Brad Powers has that sixth sense as far as gaming. I'm pretty good when it comes to the college basketball and, and college football, NFL. I've held my own and then some over the years. But I'll give way to Brad as far as prior to the games. Now, during a Saturday... I'm literally watching not only the computer, but probably, you know, like David Bowie and a man who fell to earth who's watching eight movies at a time. I'm watching at least eight football games at a time. And I can tell you what's going on in every single game. And so I feel inclined that I'm able to kind of make judgment based on what I see. I'm an eye guy. All right. So when I watch things happen over and over again, like it's happened with the Raiders, I'm like, okay, how can we fix this? If Derek Carr is our quarterback, how can we fix this? And what do I say? Over and over and over again. Get Derek Carr outside the tackle box. Derek Carr has a great arm. The rules in the NFL are made for a quarterback right now. That if you get outside the tackle box, you can throw the ball into the stands as long as you get it to the line of scrimmage. That's, the, that's one, of the, one of the things. Got to get to the line of scrimmage. Or you can take off and run. And you can run and slide. If you run and slide, the defense can't, def- defense can't hit you without getting flagged. Even if they slide in over above you and they miss you, they're going to still get flagged because they're supposed to basically give way when a quarterback is giving himself up. How does he give himself up? He slides feet first. If you're going head first, you get hit in the head, sometimes you're going to get flagged. The defense going to get flagged, sometimes not. I saw one that, got hap- that happened this, uh, this past week. Where the defensive player basically had no chance because the quarterback went down, but went down head first. And I believe it was that Niners Chargers game with Herbert getting hit. And the, uh, yeah, in fact, it was because the player got ejected for the 49ers. So, my thing with Derek Carr, though, get him outside the tackle box. Not all the time. He's a great pocket passer. But when you don't have an offensive line that is an all pro offensive line, that you have one veteran. And a bunch of guys that you're trying to work together, trying to get that thing, you know, to make sure it's going to be a pocket that Derek can stand behind and, and feel secure. But again, when you're going against a, a Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack type defense, you're going against, you know, a Niners type defense, some of these defenses that are going to pressure you, what do you do? You keep the defense honest. Get carr outside the box, not when he has to, not when he's running, not even moving up in the pocket because he's being flushed. I'm talking about roll out. With the tight end, you fake to Jacobs, you keep the ball, you roll out, right? You're outside the tackle box, and then what? you got a tight end rolling with you. We saw it twice, twice in the Bears game against in, in London. I remember sitting there with Coach Tom Flores and Darryl LaMonica at Steiner's Pub, the one over there, 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South. Their wives were there, and we were taking it in. It was a signing there, and I was like, gosh, this is great, watching Derek Carr get outside the pocket before he has to. Now, Rodney Hudson was still part of that team as far as playing center, and the line, you know, had some more veterans there. But so what? You're working these young guys together. You got Parham, you got Mumford, you got some guys, uh, you know, Mumford out of uh, Ohio State and Parham out of Memphis. Pretty good young rookies. And then you've got, you know, guys that are, you know, coming in and out Simpson, some of these other guys. And, you know, Colton Miller really was that only mainstay. So that's where I'm at as far as, you know, the Raiders. I, I mean, this team. 2 and 7 could easily be 7 and 2. Could possibly be 8 and 1. When you blow 3-17 point leads, there's a problem. Somewhere along the line there is a problem. There is a communication breakdown as we talked about and was some of that great rock and roll that we listened to growing up old school. Communication breakdown big time because you you just cannot lose games like that. And based on the game September 18th when you lost at home to the Cardinals and you blew a 20 to nothing lead, There is no way that you should ever blow another lead close to that magnitude. And I talked again, uh, one of the most glaring stats uh, ever that I've seen to where in 60 years of history, the Raiders only lost five games when leading by 17 or more points. And in eight games this year, they've already lost three of those 17 point or more leads. Hard to take. I've talked to a bunch of Raider fans that have made it in and out of Steiner's here, and uh, you know they echo those sentiments. So we're hoping maybe they can turn things around in Denver. We'll see. Still going to be shorthanded. We're going to have to get a monster effort, especially because it's hard to beat a team in your division twice. As I said, they took care of Denver here, going to the Mile High City. We'll see. And uh, those fans are not going to be easy on the Raiders just because Derek Carr was sentimental and honest at the podium as far as you know his feelings and whatnot. They're going to give them the business because when Raider fans down and out in Denver, they don't care. They'll step on them. It's the way it is inside the division, the AFC West. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. So we'll see if the Raiders can get it together. All right, Richard Badge and Finley Toyota out of town scoreboard. Let's go there, check things out. Three games in the MAC. All are final now. Western Michigan came back. They were a 10 point dog against the Chippewas of Central Michigan. That game has just gone final. Ugly weather, I, I thought, wind-wise, 12-10. Uh, to 10, Western Mish gets the win. They gut it out. That short circuit, Central Michigan, they will not make a bowl now because I believe they had to win their last two. Kent, the same way. Golden flashes at home. Eastern Michigan, that's right. Max Crosby's alma mater, 31-24 eastern michigan that game was tied at 17 eastern michigan scored two touchdowns in a row kent state got a late touchdown inside the last minute 31 24 game still stays under the total of 61 bet down to 60 but kent state was a seven and a half point favorite bet up from seven they lose by 7 31 24 western michigan by the way was catching 10 that total was 48 and a half. bet down from 50 and that game finishes 12 to 10 northern illinois at home and dekalb they were minus their quarterback rocky lombardi Miami of Ohio was also minus their quarterback, Gabbert, So both teams went with backups, and Miami of Ohio excelled. If they win their final game at home, they will be going bowling. They win it by a score of 29-23. That total was 48, bet down to 43-and-a-half with the weather there in DeKalb. It was cold. It was freezing over there in DeKalb, Illinois. But 29-23, Miami of Ohio get the win. The cover of the one-point, because they were two-and-a-half-point dogs, but that line flip-flopped three-and-a-half points, and they win at 29-23. In the association, two games going right now. The Knicks lead the Nuggets. Could it be? Could the Knicks actually win two road games in a row? It's 66-60. Somebody alert the media. I think Nokic is out for Denver, but who cares? I'm a Knicks fan. I'll take it. They beat the Jazz last night. Going to turn around and beat the Nuggets tonight? We'll see. Just one-and-a-half-point dogs. And that line dropped six points, so that lets me know Nokic was out. I had heard that earlier that he may be out. Uh, Total also dropped from 234 to 226-and-a-half. half 817 to go in that third quarter, 66-60. The Knicks up by six. And at the half, high-scoring half. You got the over 227, you don't get it? I I won't get it because it's 72-65, to the Suns lead the Warriors. Warriors still winless on the road. So we'll see how that pans out. Warriors had an early lead, and they actually went off a three-point favorite, but Booker and the boys got it together, and the Suns lead it by seven. Here's your finals from earlier. 125-113, the Pacers on the road. They win in Charlotte. They were actually one-point favorites in that game. Total 236.5, got bet up 5.5 points, and it still goes over. Hits 238, 125-113. Indiana on the road. Wild game from D.C. Thunder. Playing good solid ball. Catching five points in this one. They win it outright by one. So a nice little money liner there. Total 230 and a half. Bet up from 224. Money went the right way there. 121-120. Game hits 241. T-Wolves at the Magic. Minus eight. Take care of business. They win it by 16. Or make it by 18. 126-108. Game gets over the 224 by 10 points. Nice effort by the T-Wolves on the road. Boston. Maybe the best team in basketball right now. Power rankings-wise, I see pretty much everybody has the Celtics right there, number one or two. Celtics 126, Hawks 101. And the Hawks have been playing good, solid ball. In fact, they beat the Bucks twice. Milwaukee has three losses, two of them to the Atlanta Hawks. 126-101, Atlanta gets beat at home tonight by Boston. That total 234.5, so the game stays under. Hits 227. Heat at Miami. Raptors. I'm sorry, the Miami Heat at Toronto. Raptors at home. Minus three, win it by eight. 112-104. Total 215. Bet to 215 and a half. Still good. It's 216. 112-104. Raptors at home. A win, a cover. Game goes over. Bucks at home. Rebound nicely, beat up on the Cavs. Cavs have been playing good solid ball all season. So is Milwaukee. Milwaukee's kind of stumbled a little bit of late, but the Bucks 98 in a game that gets over, uh under the stays under the total. Every time it says goes over the total, Andy S goes on no, no, stays under the total, KT, because it never was never was never over so it didn't go under right it was never over so it stayed under that's that ivy league degrees got from penn by the way the quakers got smashed last week ai man on the on the gridiron wasn't impressed uh so there you go 113.98 bucks 124 110 down in the Bayou, the Pelicans take care of business against the Bulls. Minus two, win it by 14. Total, 226.5. Game hits 234. Goes over. Rockets surprise the Mavs. Doncic took the night off. I saw that for rest. <laughs> he picked the wrong night to take the, the night off. You're playing the Rockets. You're figuring, ah, will take some rest. We're going to beat that team. They're one of the worst teams. In fact, they're 30th in everybody's power ratings. No, the Rockets came to play. The boys from H-Town beat the boys from Big D, one hundred one ninety-two. Game stays well under the 217.5, which was bet down from 222. I mean, game hits 193, and we'll keep an eye on those last couple games. On the college hardwood real quick, and we've got about two minutes before we jump to break. Arkansas, 71-56, beat South Dakota State. Remember South Dakota State. Wait for them to get a little rest. They played last night. Had to turn around, get on a midnight flight, and go down to Fayetteville. Are you kidding me? There was no way they were going to be ready for that Razorback team. The line was bet up from 13.5 to 15. They pushed the 15-point line. 71-56, Arkansas wins it, taking care of business. Detroit beat Ohio U, 88-74. Game flies over the total. They cover as a one-point dog. Northern Kentucky beat Cincinnati at home, 64-51. They were catching 6.5, didn't need it. Game stays well under the total. 58-57, Cleveland State goes to New York State and surprises Canisius by a point. Game staying under the total. In Cleveland State, the Vikings, a... One-and-a-half point dog in that game as they win it outright. East Carolina, win it by 9, laying 10 to Hampton. 82-73, game flies over the total. Eastern Illinois, Tony Romo, Jimmy Garoppolo, their alma mater, got pummeled against Ohio State, 65-43. But if you bet on them, you made money because the Panthers covered the 31 big ones, only losing by 22. Toledo takes care of the Oakland Golden Grizzlies, 112-90. Nice effort by the Rockets, laying 13.5. They win it by 22. Game, of course, flies over. Harvard nips Northeastern, 70-69. to 69. They were laying two, do not cover. But you could have middled this one because Northeastern was a 1.5-point favorite. Battle there in Massachusetts. Iowa, my good pal Fran McCaffrey, and I'll get Coach Mack on the show real soon. Nice win in Jersey. Went to my old stomping grounds. Takes care of business against the Hall. Beat Seton Hall, 83-67. to 67. The McCaffrey boys and... Uh, You know, just a good, fun team, Iowa basketball. Remember C.J. Frederick, the uh, kid that's starting for Kentucky now? He was part of that Iowa team a couple years ago. Blew out his hamstring last year, but still a real solid player. Move on down, and uh, Evansville. Evansville loses at home as two-point favorites to Southeast Missouri State, 67-61. Game stays under the total. How about Chicago State? They win again, beat Valpo, 87-74 over Valparaiso. Uh, Valpo was actually a 10-point favorite in Chicago State. This team's come a long way. I'll have to find their coach and get him on because he's doing a heck of a job there. They win it by 13, 87-74. Game flies over the total. Notre Dame, 82-70. Beat Southern Indiana. Remember, this is their first year D1, Southern Indiana. The team that UC Riverside, when I was calling their games in 1995, made it to the finals and played them in the D2 final game on CBS with Dick Stockton and Ann Myers calling that game. And it was Bruce Pearl at the helm coaching Southern Indiana. Tonight, Southern Indiana loses at Notre Dame 82 to 70, but they cover the 14 and a half. Nebraska Omaha at home, they lose to Ball State. Ball State four and a half point road favorites win it by ten. Game stays under the total. 71-61 the final there. Cal State Bakersfield, the roadrunners go to Moscow, Idaho. They win by nine. They were plus two and a half. Game stays well under the total. And Missouri State loses by two in Provo, catching nine and a half against the Cougs. They lose it uh, They lose it 66-64, so BYU escapes with a home victory. It is 90-69, Texas 252 to go, Gonzaga getting their lunch handed to them big time, and tied at 49 Fresno State and San Francisco that game up there at Bulldog Gym 752 to go, second half, Michigan in a right-in game, blew out Pittsburgh 91-60, to and 63-59 Arizona State came back and beat VCU Virginia Commonwealth, Virginia Commonwealth led that game first half by as many as points. I was wrong on that one. I thought they'd beat Hurley's boys. That game was at, the, both those games were at the Barclays Center. And a bunch of add-on games. I won't get to those now, maybe uh, before we get out of here. Three games in the NHL. Kings lead Edmonton. Second period up there in Alberta. 9.42 to go. one nothing. 4-1 to Ottawa. Skated past Buffalo at home and 5-2. The Blues continue to play good solid hockey. After beating the Golden Knights, they've now won three in a row. They beat the Blackhawks in the Windy City 5-2. That is a look at the Richard Badge and Finley Toyota out-of-town scoreboard. Ken Thompson, producer Mark Hoke, coming back with my good pal, Art Dice 21, baby. Arthur de Caesar. he is live at the beautiful Westgate Superbook, hour number two, my good pal Chuck Hayes, live from Vegas. I'll be right back.
0: I've got sunshine.
2: Yeah,
1: little Temptations as KT comes back live at Steiner's Pub. Tell you what, there's certain songs, you hear the bumper music and Mark Hoke's been in the hits. Tell you, you just don't want to cut them off. I love the Temptations, man. Some of that old school Motown stuff, right on time. Great crowd, Steiner's Pub. A lot of people use the Steiner's Pubs to break up their week on a Wednesday. Because you get out there, you're not going to get hit hard on the prices as far as the pocketbook. So you get out there, some people want to do a little bit of gaming, a little bit of, uh, you know, drinking at the bar, hanging out. Then you have you know some good get-togethers, too. There was a, you know, a, by the way, happy birthday, Mary. I know she listens to the show. They are regulars here out of 1750 North Buffalo. Every Wednesday, they have a group anywhere from 6 to 10, and it was Mary's birthday. There was always someone's birthday or some anniversary or something going on with that group, and they are regulars here. But so many great people. Going to get with my good pal, Art Dice, 21. And, uh, of course, one of the best in the business. He's risk management over there at the beautiful Westgate Superbook. He's a big-time Yankee fan, so I'm sure he's happy that Rizzo got signed. Now, what about it? Are you going to, you know, donate to the collection jar there, Art Dice, uh, to make sure Aaron Judge is wearing pinstripes next year?
2: Listen, KT, I've put so much time and effort and money and blood, sweat, and tears into being a Yankee fan. I don't care what it costs. Go get Judge, and if the Yankees had any guts, they would go offer Verlander a contract. They offered him one year, $25 million last year. We need pitching. So go get Verlander. It doesn't matter. I know he wants a Scherzer deal. Three years, $140 million. I don't care. It's not my money. Go get these guys.
1: There you go. It's not your money. You get paid enough here, you ought to be donating. Are you kidding me? That Wednesday appearance, I know Cornegay has really jacked your check up big time, which is nice because Murray's been getting that money for a long time. It's about time you're getting a little cut of the action over there at the Superbook. All right, uh, talk to me about the Golden Knights because it looked for all intents and purposes like this team was the team, all of a sudden a couple home losses in a row. Where are you as far as VGK, and what about future liability? Because I would think probably a lot of it – may have come in as far as the Knights to win the Pacific, the Knights to win, you know, the Stanley Cup, all that stuff, you know, maybe during that nine-game winning
2: streak and winning five in a row on the road. Yeah, no doubt about it, KT. I mean, obviously, we're always going to have Knight liability. I mean, the Knights, outside of where they were year one, where they were an expansion team, this was the lowest they had ever been on the board preseason to win the Stanley Cup. They were sitting at 18-1. to So for them to have the start they had, They're now second on the board behind Colorado. Colorado is nine to two. Vegas is sitting six to one. And then everyone else below them is nine to one or worse. So, you know, the Knights have really shut up the board. Not only have they shut up the board because they've been good, but they are the home team and people are just going to come down and lay money on the Knights. You know, I don't know what to make of the Knights. The start has been great. They really haven't. You know, the schedule has been a little weird. They haven't played that many great teams, but they are winning. They're beating the teams in front of them. You know, the Pacific is tough. I mean, the Kings are a good team. Obviously, the Oilers and Calgary will start getting better. You know, Calgary's put two games together, you know, here in the last couple of days or last couple of games they played. So I don't count out Calgary or Edmonton. I think it will be a fight with them and the Knights to see who takes home the Pacific.
1: All right, so where are we as far as money on the USC-UCLA game? Uh, without Dye, gosh, SC's going to have a little more trouble running the football, but they have a couple decent running backs. The receiving core is as deep as anybody in the country, and question is, can Caleb Williams deliver against a Bruins team that's going to be refocused, I believe, after Chip Kelly helps DTR and the guys, you know, Bobo included, to get that. Bad taste out of their mouth after losing to Arizona at home. And that last second play, my goodness, finger fingertips is where that ball was. As a USC fan, I wanted the Bruins to win that game. And, of course, I wanted Oregon to also win at Dawson Stadium against Washington. Both those teams flounder. So that really takes the luster off a potential good, solid matchup in the Pac-12 championship game right here in Vegas. USC, though, only way they get in the playoff, they've got to run the table, and even then they may need some help. They've got to win their last three. They get Notre Dame coming to calling, and if they can – not only beat Notre Dame but beat them by double digits somehow that would look good being that Clemson got their lunch handed to them although that game was in South Bend but talk to me about the USC UCLA game because I saw you guys flexing a two and a half on Southern Cal earlier in the day I haven't looked lately but I know that game opened at three quickly got bet down to one and a half places and uh last I saw you guys were at two and a half with Southern Cal the favorite
2: Yeah, for us, KT, when we opened USC, we opened up minus three. And like you said, people quickly took the points with the Bruins. They took the three. So we're only at two and a half. We didn't get crazy. We didn't go any further than that. Um, I think the real interesting thing to look at in this game is the total. We have the total sitting at 76. Both teams are over teams. USC, seven and three to the over. UCLA, seven and three to the over. So you would think this game will go up and down the field. A lot of points should be in the game. I'm with you. I think USC to have any shot, probably needs to win these next three games by 14 or more. I like this USC team. I think they've you know, they kind of circled this type of stretch down where it's, hey, we can go do what we got to do. It's not in their hands where they control their own destiny. But I think they look at this game and feel, hey, we're better than UCLA, so they should go out and win the game. I think you're getting a nice short price with USC. I'd be happy to lay under the field goal with them.
1: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's still, you know, Ohio State's playing Michigan. You know, TCU's got to be a Baylor, and then they have the Big 12 championship game. So we'll see. There's still, you know, some football to be played. Uh, Lena, as I move on down, Utah and Oregon, that's a big one as well for the Ducks trying to regroup after losing that game to Washington, a game they should not have lost in regulation, should have gone into overtime at the worst, but they took a chance. They rolled the dice, and they came up short on their own 33-yard line trying to get that last yard. Utah, you know, you finally had... Uh, the running game back, Tavion Thomas was back in the backfield, comes off a big game, and now Utah is minus two at Watson Stadium. Can the Ducks drop two in a row? That's the question. I mean, I think they're going to rebound. I, I like this Utah team, but I liked them better with Keithy. Uh, they, they still have a you know, decent receiving core, decent running game, but the defense is not near as physical Utah defenses in the past. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Oregon, I think. I'm hoping it gets to a field goal because it's trending that way, 61 the total.
2: Well, the one thing you got to keep an eye on with this game and why it's moved the way it has, we opened Oregon minus three, people bet Utah pretty quickly, and now it's flipped to Utah minus two. There are a lot of reports and a lot of people who think Bo Nix might miss the game. So I think that's why you've seen the line movement here. So if you're going to take Oregon, you might want to wait to see if Nix is the quarterback or not. I think now with all of that late money that's come in on Utah, Utah is probably the play because it really doesn't look like Nix will
1: play in this game. That, of course, does make a big difference. Uh, and as I talked about, Dye being out for USC. Meanwhile, you've got TCU at Baylor. Look, I got to give Sonny Dykes a lot of credit, and Duggan. And Duggan's got to be a front runner, uh, you know, for that Heisman too. I mean, he's got to be at least in the top five right there because this kid's blue collar. I know there's a couple games he hasn't put up great st- statistics, but getting a win in Austin the way they did. And I know uh, there's a couple people, Mark Lawrence and uh, Chicago Bill. They're the only two I know that said TCU's going to win this game. I didn't see it. I lost money on Texas and, you know, they nearly had that miracle comeback to, uh, they got the scoop and score with about five minutes, a little under five minutes to go, and then they were trying to get in there to get the game into overtime. Had they done that, they still would have had a chance to cover that game. But Sonny Dykes and this TCU team continue to excel, and they do control their own destiny. They're minus two and a half against Baylor. We know Baylor always tough in Waco, although they got blown out by Kansas State last week, 31-3, which lets me know they're going to be refocused. Dave Aranda very rarely gets blown out, and I I can't see them getting blown out two games in a row, but I can see them losing this game. Would you lay the two and a half? Would you play TCU Moneyline, or would you take a shot at Baylor at home?
2: Man, well, if I was going to take Baylor, I would have wanted to get the three. When we opened it, it, was TCU minus three. And, you know, it was public money that came in on Baylor. It was not really sharp money that took the number. And that's the disrespect TCU gets in the betting market, and that's why the number has moved that way. So if you like TCU now, you're getting them under the field goal. TCU has answered every challenge. You said it. Last week was a classic all the Joe betters took T- TCU and all the Sharp betters laid the points with Texas, figuring this is where it would end for TCU. It did not. Baylor got blown out last week against Kansas State. I think there's something special about this TCU team. I would lay the under the field goal because it's two and a half now.
1: And then the Western representative in the Big Ten will it be Iowa? I think it can be. They're two-and-a-half-point dogs at Minnesota, 32 and a half. You don't see totals that low too often, but this one is warranted big time. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to uh, take a shot on the Hawkeyes, probably money line if it stays under a field goal. Last I saw you guys had Minnesota minus two and, a half, 32 and a half.
2: Yeah, we do. We have the Gophers minus two-and-a-half. And, you know, a lot of times when you have these field goal type of games, right, if you do like the dog, if you, you know, instead of taking the two and a half, I'm with you. Might as well take a shot with the money line. It's just kind of, you know, you get a little bit more bang for your buck, plus 120, plus 125, depending on what it is. This is an absurd total, 32 and a half. It's ridiculous. It probably will be a 10-7 type of game. I don't mind taking a shot with Iowa because I like their defense a little bit better.
1: Yeah, when you watch that weather, Central Michigan tonight with the snowstorm going on, I mean, it's just fun to watch games like that, except it's a nightmare for the referees and the officials trying to mark the ball, trying to find yard markers. They have no idea where the hell they are. Uh, real quick, Big Ten, Ohio State laying a boatload, 27 to Maryland, 63 the total, but a Maryland team that got shut out last week. Not good, even with Talia Tungavailoa, who's had a pretty good year. Can locks these guys, get off the mat? and at least give Ohio State some type of
2: game and cover that big number? Well, you would think this might and possibly could be the classic look-ahead, right? They got Michigan on deck. So... If you're ever going to have a shot with Maryland, who is a six and four team, obviously they haven't had that great of a year, but they are four and one at home. It's a team that can be okay at home. Ohio State has had trouble covering big numbers this year. They're five, four, and one ATS. So it's not like they've been running away covering all these spreads. You know, it's gone down a little bit, it was 28. So now that you're under the four touchdowns, I think there's still a shot taking Maryland. Maybe Ohio State just kind of sleepwalks through the game. You always have a shot for a second half, a backdoor cover. I would take the points with the Terps.
1: All right, and then you get an 18 points if you take Illinois at the big house against Michigan. Uh, they come off the loss against Purdue two games ago they lost at home to Michigan State. I mean this is an Illinois team under Brett Bielema that was kind of cruising along defense was really flexing its muscles but they dropped two in a row at home. That's why you're catching 18 points. I think classic look ahead spot I can only take Illinois if they can kind of you know muck the game up a little bit even if you don't win the game and I know Chase Brown is banged up so that's key. You got to make sure he goes but end of the day I would only look at Illinois as long as Brown's going I think they can hang within 15 points.
2: Well, also, too, KT, when you look, the total's low. You know, when you have a total in the low 40s, you're expecting a kind of run-the-ball-grind-it-out-slug-fest type of game, and you're getting 18 points. I don't disagree, but I do think Michigan, unlike Ohio State, despite the look-ahead spot, they're at home. They feel like, let's, let's feel good. Let's get right. Let's bury Illinois, who hasn't looked good these last couple weeks, and let's roll into Ohio State with a lot of momentum. It would scare me a little bit to take Illinois because I could see this game being like 34-10.
1: Packers at home tomorrow come off the nice comeback win against the Cowboys. They were run first. Aaron Rodgers passed second. Maybe they stay with that same M.O. I mean, Aaron Jones and Dylan both ran hard. Titans go into Lambeau. Line last I saw was going up because the Titans are going to be missing. Uh, a bunch of players now. Derrick Henry will play. Tanny Hill will be there. Uh, but there are skill position, or not skill position, but blue collar position players that are going to miss tomorrow for the Titans. Packers now we're up to minus three and some juice. I would lay it before it goes to three and a half. I think the Packers win that game.
2: I'm with you. The only side I could have here is Green Bay. It was two and a half. Now it's three minus one twenty. Green Bay at home. They didn't have to travel. Short week. Tennessee is also one of the most disrespected teams in the betting market. It's a good team. When you have Henry and you can run the ball, they're well coached. You always have a shot. But Green Bay might have found something last week. They'll be very confident at home. I'm with you. Lay it now before it goes to three and a half.
1: All right, Salah, big name that you'll hear on Sunday, not only on the gridiron but on the pitch as well. Uh, Jets and Patriots. Patriots minus three, minus some juice, 38. That Jet defense is fun to watch. They are really fun. That is your team. You come off the bye. You just played these guys. You lose at home. I mean, they have always had your number. But can the Jets actually go in there and take care of business, even up the score for this year? Uh, If they do, I think this team is a wild card potential team.
2: It certainly can be. You know, early money came in on the Jets, sharp money, plus four. It's now Patriots minus three with a minus 120. Low total of 38. I think the game stays under. I think it's going to be an ugly type of game. You know, 17-14, 21-14 type of game stays under the total. Would have been a lot happier if I could have gotten four, or three or and a half. So, to me, I would pass on the side, but I think the Jets will be competitive in the game.
1: All right, so we move on down. Uh, let's just find – here, how about this? Chiefs and Chargers. I was very impressed with the Chargers Sunday night football. I'm so glad that I didn't take the Niners minus the spread. I teased them, and I was fortunate to get that. Chargers looked really good. They still, they were still without Williams and Keenan Allen. I'm hoping one of those guys get back for them soon if they're going to give a run as far as to make the postseason. Five-and-a-half, Chiefs are minus five-and-a-half, 50-year total in L.A., what about it? She's playing good, solid ball and getting all those skill position players, including Kadarius Toney, who's now on that squad, getting everybody involved. But that Charger defense still with Khalil Mack leading the way. And, man, when they get Joey Bosa back healthy, they're still going to be a force. They just got to get to the postseason.
2: No doubt about it. Obviously, a divisional rival game. Chargers are usually good as a dog. You never want to take them when they're a favorite. And Kansas City, they despite them winning and being 7-2, they never cover spreads. They're 3-5-1 against the spread. Chargers, on the other hand, are 5-3-1 against the spread. I mean, you missed the best number. It was as high as 7. It's down now all the way to five We'll need the Chargers in the game because the Chiefs will be in all money line parlays, and they'll be in all teasers. So we will definitely be rooting for the Chargers on Sunday Night Football.
1: Yeah, I will too. And if they get that, in fact, I'm going to play them uh, as far as to win the AFC. And uh, what do you got there as far as the Chargers? Do you have that right with you?
2: Yeah, let me give it a sec. Um, so, Chargers to win the AFC, thirty to one, KT.
1: Yeah, see, I like it because Joey Bosa is yeah. going to come back healthy. You're going to get Mike Williams and Keenan Allen back. They just have to make it. Right now, only a game over five hundred. They got to get. or in fact, they're sitting at five and five. I think right. So they've got to get it together. They've got to make a little bit of a run. Yeah,
2: five and four. Five and four. Yeah.
1: Five and four, yeah. So they gotta get they gotta get up over five hundred and they got a chance to make it at Art Dice twenty-one. Always appreciate you, my man. We'll do it again next Wednesday. Dice Man will be down to the Superbook. KT,
2: you're the best man. We will talk next week.
1: There you go. Hour number one in the books. My good pal Chuck Hay is going to join me. Talk a lot of football. He's big on USC, UCLA. We're looking forward to that big game coming up on Saturday from Pasadena. SportsX Radio, listen Monday through Friday, 8 to 10, live from Vegas. KT's live at Steiner's. I'll be right back.
0: for peace of mind. Visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Lieberers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium, and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items ordered, promodirect.gov, and by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit williamhill.us. So get ready, because SportsX Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. All
1: right, KT, hour number two, live at Steiner's Pub, 1750 North Buffalo, right here at Vegas Drive in the Albertson Shopping Center, one of two on the west side. 8410 West Cheyenne, the original, now in their 25th year, and 8168 Las Vegas Boulevard South, right there at Windmill and Las Vegas Boulevard, in between South Point, Mandalay Bay. All three of those locations are phenomenal, and I'm always here on Wednesday nights at 1750 North Buffalo. Hashtag, I love this place, and there's no better way to describe Steiner's Pub, because you get that hometown feeling where everybody does know your name, like that cheers type feeling, but then the food, the gaming, and the service makes it real. I mean, you gotta have great service, otherwise you walk out going, God, that's a nice place, but you know they just didn't get me my drinks on time, or they didn't refill my water or my iced tea or whatever. They are on top of it big time, And uh, like I said, Roger Sachs, he prides himself as far as to make sure not only does he have cleanliness and great food and great ambiance, great sports action, but the great service kind of tops it all off. Remember, the Preventative Diagnostic Center, if you're in that demographic 40 to 72 right here in the Vegas Valley, you're privy right now to be able to get down and see Dr. John Pierce. He runs a great ship at the Preventative Diagnostic Center pdcenterlv.com. pdcenterlv.com. You can check it out right there online. You can go see the scanner. That's right. We've got the only scanner of its kind in the region. Gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments, like heart and lung disease and cancer things that you need to know about you want to get to them early on worst case scenario so that you can be able to combat them and uh, get the proper care to keep yourself going you don't want to get blindsided with the old four state uh, you know stage four cancer something like that uh, it's a lot more detrimental and harder to deal with call the preventative diagnostic center now you can schedule a free educational consultation you got the 702 down for vegas 534 7900. 534-7900. 534 you let them know Ken Thompson Sports X Radio sent you, and they'll let you know how everything works. This comfortable comfortable scan takes just a few minutes, and then a few days later, you get a detailed report from a board-certified radiologist. They have that heart CT scan calcium score special. That gets you in the door, and I'm telling you, it is a great Christmas present. It is just a great gift to give somebody if they fall demographically between 40 and 72 because when they get in there, they're gonna be able to find out is their heart clogging up, the arteries clogging up. Y- you wanna know that information. I know sometimes we say we don't wanna know that, but you really do. You wanna make sure you know, so worst case scenario, you can get things cleaned out. Worse, may, maybe you need stints put in your heart, who knows? I've had people, friends of mine, that have had heart attacks. They're fortunate to still be around. So don't let it get that far. Get the heart CT scan and calcium score. It's a $600 value, cost you 125, and the greatest thing, you're your significant other is absolutely free. So the two of you, $1,200 value, total 125 Early detection is key. Get peace of mind. Take charge of your health. Go see Dr. John Pearson Company at the PD Center. That's right, Preventative Diagnostic Center, PDCenterLV.com, 534 7900, 534 7900. My good pal Chuck Hayes is going to join me in just a sec. Let me just update a couple things on that Richard and Finley Toyota out of town scoreboard. Gave you the uh, three finals as far as uh, the MAC. And boy, I'll tell you, when I see some of these games in the snow, you know, I just remember the, the fun games back east that we would play like that rainstorm storm and so there'd be mud all out and you know after a while you got tackled a couple times in the mud you're like all right let's see how dirty we can actually get this uniform right you loved it it looked like you actually played so even if you were just on special teams you had to make sure that even if you weren't near the action that you somehow got your uniform muddied up so you can look cool standing on sidelines like yeah i was in what do you need Uh, 31-24, Eastern Mish beat Kent State on the road. Nice effort there. Western Mish in the snowstorm. Wins against Central Michigan. Beat the Chippewas 12-10. And Miami of Ohio rallies to beat Northern Illinois 29-23. Last two games in the association, Denver now leads the Knicks by 7. 5.34 to go fourth quarter. Mile High City 98-91. As a Knicks fan, I knew it was too good to be true. Win two in a row on the road. What are you, serious? Uh, Suns, 111-97, baking the Warriors right now. Still 7.29 to go in the fourth quarter. But the Warriors went off three-point favorites, and right now the Sun's really putting it to them. It's 117-103 with 5.41 to go in that fourth quarter. Everything final on the college hardwood as St. Mary's has just finished off Southern 72-54. Randy Bennett's got another good squad up there in Moraga and Houston. Embarrassed Texas Southern, 83-48. Kelvin Sampson may have the best team in the country. On the ice, the one game continues to roll on in Edmonton. Kings with a 2-1 lead after two up there in Alberta. Blues skated past the... Uh, Blackhawks 5-2 that game in Chicago and 4-1 Ottawa at home skates past Buffalo that a brief look at the Rich Badge and Finley Toyota out of town score but before I get out of here I'll try and get you the uh, extra board games as far as the college basketball gave you everything else a little bit earlier but the big game of the night as far as on the college hardwood was Texas dismantling Gonzaga as the Zags were able to escape against uh, Michigan State by a point not so lucky tonight they get beat by 19 down in Austin big time effort by Chris Beard's boys all right let's go and talk a little USC UCLA football a little Pac-12 football we'll get into the Rams what a debacle the defending Super Bowl champions we'll get into the Chargers they let one get away a game they could have had could have dropped the Niners back to 500 or actually under 500 because they were four and four going into that game Niners needed that game and uh Ended up being the favorite, but the Chargers really played a nice first half without Mike Williams, without Keenan Allen, and still without Joey Bosa. Get into all of that with our expert, not only from the City of Angels, but football all the way around. Love this man. Long Beach State 49er, Mr. Chuck Hayes. Chuck, how are you, bud?
3: Ken, uh, you got me fired up. I was flashing back to my days of playing high school football in Connecticut, and what this uh, next two weeks always meant where we would play Saturday – and then uh, we would come back in and practice on Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then usually play either Thanksgiving Eve or Thanksgiving Day. Yes. And just the, the emotion and being with your teammates and the time spent, the weather, uh, dealing with the cold, dealing with the snow, uh, the frozen field, uh, then the field thawing out, It's was just all of that. And that, you know, leads into the 92nd edition of SC UCLA, this time in the Rose Bowl. And uh, my first SC UCLA game was November 22nd, 1980, and it was 20 to 17. SC had the game in control. Jay Schrader made a throw. Jeff Fisher, all five foot nine and a half of them, put his hand up. The ball got tipped up, and Freeman McNeil took it 58 yards right oh. in front of the Trojan bench, oh. and SC loses. However, the next year, comes down to the last play of the game. Uh, Norm Johnson, the great place kicker, is going to drill it. He's an All-American kicker. Georgia Chica makes it in and blocks the kick SC wins 22-21. And then UCLA abandons the Coliseum and goes to the Rose Bowl. And their first game there was 20-19. to uh, Carl Morgan sacks Scott Tinsley on the two-point play. And the Bruins win. And so that was my first three SC-UCLA games. Um, But the one that really stands out was the 99 game when SC had lost to UCLA, I believe it was almost 10 years in a row. Eight years years in in a row. row. Eight years in a row, yes. Eight years in a row. And uh, John Fox, a converted linebacker, played quarterback, and uh beat the bruins 177 was a big win for paul hackett and it was the only time since i had been at sc that i ever saw the student section and then the alums storm the field and i was at midfield uh with the great vic the brick jacobs from la and i was saying to vic can you even imagine what this means the em- energy the passion it just meant that college football was live in L.A., and that's what's going to happen Saturday night, 5 o'clock kick in the Rose Bowl, where UCLA stubbed their toe against Arizona. Arizona kicked their tail, you know, up and down the field. UCLA had a chance to win at the end. They didn't get it done. Now UCLA playing spoiler to SC, who's on a run, making their way up the uh, up the charts.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. And when you talk about that eight-game winning streak for uh ucla boy i'll tell you what that's uh that's hard to hard to fathom i mean i remember you know notre dame also having that long winning streak against usc and it, streaks like that you're not used to seeing the trojans on the wrong end of those streaks because they've had so many go their way over the years but i do remember you know nothing more like a, a jersey thursday afternoon with usually like misty rain-type Thanksgiving weather and just uh, getting out there for that early uh, Thanksgiving game and then going home and enjoying the NFL games and, and uh, just the family time. And my great-uncle Carl, man, he'd come down from Brooklyn. This is a guy that was a manager in baseball and a basketball coach for 42 years, coached kids you know, between 17 and 19 years old, and just phenomenal players that he had in Brooklyn guys like John Candelaria, Connie Hawkins. I mean, there's so many that I can remember when I was growing up going to watch these guys. I had no idea who they were then, uh but you know guys coming over the apartment building there on 19th avenue and 68th street connie hawkins his afro touching the top of the little apartment and uh you know him looking down at my great uncle but he had so much respect because my uncle could you know call games he was kind of like the louis Carnesecca of that uh that region there and i travel around the five boroughs with him and really loved it and then he'd come down to jersey with my great aunt and they were awesome because my great aunt was you know, we didn't have a lot of money, but she always found money, saved money, and you know, we had the best Christmases thanks to my Aunt Dora. man. She was just an amazing lady. So, lots of those memories, man. And you're back East guy, too, in Connecticut. I'm in Jersey, and we both transitioned to the West Coast, and of course USC. I've been watching USC football forever. That 1980 game, unfortunately for me, that's one of the few USC-UCLA games I did not see because I was freezing my ass off in Great Lakes, Illinois, in boot camp. And, uh, you know, there was no TV, and so I literally was that much of a sports guy, Chuck Hayes. That I, you get, you had a phone call to make. Like they would take you to, like the uh, the store, and so you waited online. And you know, you no know, cell phones. It's 1980. You're you're putting money in the, or you have maybe had a phone card or something, and you're you're putting it in there and you're calling. So instead of calling my family, I'm like calling my buddy and getting all the college. And, college football scores and everything and the NFL scores and writing them down on like this piece of paper and and, like short, like just initialing all this stuff. And then I would get back to the, you know, to the, uh, the barracks and I would get out a piece of paper that we're able to write letters with, and I'm writing down all these scores, and then I'd, I'd get them all organized. College, And there I was, giving them out, and I became like one of the guys in boot camp. Like, like oh, yeah, there's that guy. There's that guy, Thompson, man. He's got the scores, man. And Because you had no communication outside of phoning home. That was it. There were no TVs, no radio. You didn't have any of that in boot camp. It was basically, you know, freeze your ass off, do push-ups, and uh, learn how to march. And then, uh, of course, we had to learn how to march into a wall because we were so we were like, you know, Mikhail's Navy. We were so bad that our company commander actually left us in like this alley going into a building, and he walked away for like a half hour, and we're marching in place. And I want to say it was probably 20 below zero with the wind chill factor. Just crazy stuff that happens that people have no idea. They just they just think it's all all glory and like, oh, thanks for your service. Thanks for your service. Yeah, thanks for your service. Next time, just why don't you go to boot camp for me? You, that's how you can thank me there. But uh, there's. Just some great memories, Chuck. And as I'm watching USC last week on Friday, I'm like, please tell me, because I'm watching with no sound, please tell me that Die is okay, right? And then, of course, you find out he's out for the year. That is a major blow. Let's start there, and then we'll get into the two debacles on Saturday in the Pac-12 that not only will UCLA play be playing spoiler, but they and Oregon both were spoilers for USC last Saturday because they take any type of luster or really – power ranking out of the Pac-12 by both losing at home on the same night?
3: Well, you know, Friday night, uh, and I don't like Friday night games in L.A., but it happens, and, and that's the way it goes. Essie uh, just took a long time to get it going on, and uh, they were down 3-2 to two at the end of the first period. Right,
0: but right. But then
3: they rallied back 24-zip in the second period, and that's where Dye got hurt. And it it was was tough to watch. Reminded me of when Drake London got hurt. Uh, Same type of injury. uh, Almost the same thing that Cooper Cup has also. Uh, Just a bad high ankle. Uh, All of them had to have surgery. Thank goodness most people with the medical technology we have today can recover from that. But, you know, Caleb struggled a little bit. But they played without. Addison only had one catch for two yards. And he really was not ready to go. And Mario Williams didn't dress. But it doesn't matter and you know we had talked the week before Michael Jackson been a breakout guy he didn't catch anything but punts so when you see this group of receivers, they do not miss anybody. trust me when they, again coach Hyde says it all the time and we're talking when we do our show on Saturday nights at nine o'clock on on kDWN that if you didn't know or didn't have numbers on the back of their you know jerseys, you would say they're all equal and that's one thing it's a compliment now. Running back-wise, now we got Austin Jones and Barlow, and they're going to have to be creative because they're going to have to keep UCLA off the field also, and they're going to have to run the ball better. But Colorado is a bad football team, bad program. be very interested to see who all might get that job. And I put this out there. You know, back in Connecticut, Jim Moore is trying to res- resuscitate the Huskies, and right. he did a good job. They beat Liberty. Hey, if I'm the AD at, at Colorado and I get a chance to get – Jim Mora, i jump at that because I really think he could come in there with a rebirth in what he's done. He can recruit the heck out of wherever he needs to go. It seems like he's got a new lease on life. That would be a great hire for Colorado. They need something. They need a West Coast guy that can get it going on. But meanwhile, uh, UCLA, classic, what they say, trap game, right? That's 7.30 Saturday night. They watched SC roll. Everybody else won. Everyone else lost. And they got to go out and play Arizona. Arizona playing free and easy. And the fact that you had Johnny Nansen, who used to be on the staff at UCLA and also at SC, and Dwayne Walker, same with them, they put together a great plan. Yep. And at the end, UCLA just didn't have enough to get it done.
1: Talk to me about Coach Fish, because he's done one heck of a job there at Arizona. This team was a laughing stock. And now you bring in the transfer. Jaden Delora from Washington State. And my goodness, this kid has excelled big time. In fact, he'll get a crack at his old mates people got to be careful. I heard several people say, oh, classic letdown spot for Arizona this week after winning at UCLA and stunning the Bruins. I get that, but for Jaden Delora, this game is personal because he left Wazoo and is going to go back against his old coach, who I don't think he cared for too much. So we'll see how that all pans out in Tucson. But Coach Jed Fish, reflect on what he's done to turn this team around from a laughingstock that had trouble staying within 30 points of their opponent to a team now that is capable of winning and really getting that offense going in just about every game.
3: I drive the 605 freeway north every single day, and all during the off season, I saw Arizona Wildcat billboard that basically told everybody that Arizona football was something to be looked at, taken advantage of if you're a kid in Southern California, that, hey, we're coming here, we're going to recruit, and we're going to kick tail. Now, they played their tails off against SC. They didn't have enough. SC's a great team. They're a top-ten team right now. UCLA, same thing. UCLA, you took them a little lightly, I think, and you, and there's no quit in those cats. And, again, I think a lot of their staff, with Jed Fish having been at UCLA, having been at the Rams, having been at New England, he's been around. He's a little cerebral. He's very loose. Those players play free, and they have a good staff around them, and they're motivated. And they, those players just went out there. And, again, when, you, when you're when you rebuilding and you don't have anything to lose and you're hungry, you cause people a lot of problems. And when you've got skilled kids like they have, there's a lot of great skilled kids in college football. I was watching the MAC tonight in the snow and in the cold weather, and I, I saw some it. great players. I saw some great players. And you look up and down the roster of the NFL, and you see players not just from the big programs anymore. You see them from every walk of Division One one double a division three ivy leagues you see everything so it's a matter of desire if you want to play if you want the the ability if you want to develop your ability you will you can find a place in the league so i think that's arizona i think you know that he brought in i think he brought in bill belichick in the offseason to talk to the team i know that they're very motivated and again it's a it's a program to watch they are on the rise and that's why Arizona State's next hire is a big hire because in-state right now, Arizona's got the momentum. And, oh, by the way, when Arizona plays the ASU, you know, I've been to the SCU Chile game. I've been to the Notre Dame SC game. I've been to the Fresno-San Jose game. There is nothing nastier than Arizona and Arizona State. That is one tough rivalry.
1: Oh, there's no doubt. And the nicknames they have for each other are – well, you can't say them on air, but they're, they are great, uh, great games to watch and take in. It doesn't matter even if you don't have a, a dog in the fight, just to go and take in one of those games. Yeah, I love rivalry games like that and here's the other thing the caveat as far as uh for Arizona as far as that game with Wazoo not only does Jaden Delora have some personal business to try and take care of against a pretty good Washington State team but also if they win that game and then the finale against ASU they become bowl eligible so kind of circle that as well uh when you talk about the running game going down with Travis Dye What are we looking at? Because Austin Jones actually got out of the gate pretty good to transfer from Stanford. And What about Relique Brown and and Darwin Barlow? Talk to me about those guys a little bit because we know how hard Travis Dye ran on every play. talked about Jonathan Abram, who the Raiders let go and then was picked up by Green Bay. It seemed like this guy, you know, put 110% into every tackle, every hit that he made, and you just you can't sustain that. Uh, you're going to get hurt sooner or later. I felt that way with Travis Dye. I felt that that's how hard he ran, that he was always looking to get that extra yard, yard and a half. And, you know, you love to have a kid that's got that tenacity, but, you know, it did uh come back to haunt him and uh he's short-circuited but what about jones and brown and barlow can these guys can they fill the shoes at all
3: here's here's why i looked at travis die he reminded me a lot of justin fargus justin fargus had been injured transferred in from michigan and brought a maturity and a love for the game that he really wanted to be there same thing austin uh excuse me travis die was a standout at oregon i mean he was a leader of that team and he's from Southern California. And when the portal opened, he saw an opportunity and his leadership. And let's not forget his blocking ability and what he did for that program to bring everyone together. When he was hurt, uh, Ken, uh, every single player came off the bench when he was getting ready to be put on that card. And you could see the pain in the eyes of these players. And, and you know, it's hard in this time and uh, day and time of – Portal and kids having agendas and NIL, and you know, not playing for the, for the love of the school, but for what their next step is. These players really, really took to him as a leader. And you can see there's a great picture online, you might be able to find it, of uh, Caleb Williams, uh, his eyes meeting Travis Dye. Travis Dye on the cart as he's getting ready to be wheeled into the tunnel. And it was almost like um, Batman and Robin, if you will. You know, like, hey, man, you're on your own now. Get it done. But I'm with you. I'm believing in you. And that's the this the glue that this team has has really become. And I say Travis is the guy. Now Darwin Barlow played in the fourth quarter. Uh, with Miller Moss, and he's listed at 5'11", about 2'15". Of course, he played at TCU before he came to to L.A. to play a Trojan. And he showed some quickness. He showed some ability. He showed some shake. Now, Rayleigh Brown can fly. I mean, he's a flat-out burner. And then you have Vossen Jones. He's more of a solid, uh, you know, every down kind of back. But what I think we're going to see, Paj Washington is really a talented player. Uh, Mario Williams is the same Mario's been banged up a little bit but Taj Washington in the backfield coming out and having to be accounted for I think we'll see some two back stuff uh with Austin Jones and Taj as well as Mario and you know Ray Leak moving him in and out so that there's some matchup issues I really believe that's what's going to happen and they ran the they ran the replay Saturday uh, Friday night against CU and Basically, Caleb just walked in two times. One thing that goes undervalued in regards to what Caleb Williams can do is his play fake ability. Um, I don't know how big his hands are. That's always something they measure at the combine. But when he gets the football, sometimes it disappears and you don't know where it is because of his play faking, and he's able to walk in. They're going to need a lot of this. Trust me. All the UCLA guys have been seeing, and tell me if you, were, if you weren't in the same boat, Ken, if you were playing for a rival team, especially wearing that powder blue and gold, and you were sitting home and you were watching a game, maybe Monday Night Football, and you saw Caleb Williams in an a, uh, energy drink commercial, how would that make you feel when you know that DTR's been there for five years and beat the heck out of SC last year and you say, where's, where's our guys getting respect? So right, he's going right. to be a marked man Saturday night in the Rose Bowl, and trust me, this is going to be one of those nights, one of those games that we're all going to be talking about. Why? Because the pressure is on. UCLA right now, free. They, they blew it. Okay, so now, what better to, to do than pop SC's balloon, if you will, and spoil them, much like that year when Carl Durrell beat Pete Carroll 13-9. to And, oh, by the way, who was the architect of that defense that shut down the team that was supposed to go to the national championship? Dwayne Walker, who did it last week to UCLA. What goes around comes around.
1: Yeah, that's great. Oh, uh, yeah. So uh, All right, what about Eric Gentry? He's missed the last three games. I know Mario Williams has as well. Uh, and then you talked about Addison, only one catch for two yards the receivers you figure everybody's a go and what about Gentry can we get him back in the lineup
3: I think it's a game time decision I think they've held him out and uh, they're going to need him against DTR they're going to need a spy on him Uh, one of the things that he does so well and he did not do last week he only carried it 11 times for 22 yards and again I credit the Arizona defense for making him um, not be as effective that he normally is normally with Charbonnet and him together on that replay one is going to go inside the other one's going to go outside the other one's going to go outside the other guy's going to go inside just like just like uh, uh, newt rockney right just like rudy you know inside outside outside inside well that's been ucla's game well FC's gonna to have to play the same game and be effective because without die you don't know a fumble here a turnover here it's going to be one of those games it's going to be a little bit cool uh, might be the you know the turf might be a little wet it looked like it was a little slippery uh there, i saw a lot of divots last saturday night something you don't normally see in the rose bowl so uh watch that field watch the spikes all those things that go into a game at this time of the year
1: chuck hayes our guest as he is on wednesday's hour number two SportsX radio rolling at you live from steiner's pub and Just love talking football with Chuck, Uh, a lot of USC-UCLA talk, and it's a big one. It does lose a little luster just because UCLA loses that game. And then with Oregon, you know, I mean, real quick, I've got to give Washington credit. They made the long field goal. Oregon was averaging 6.1 yards per carry. They need one yard, but from their own 33 with about a minute to go, hard to go for that. I mean, if you punt it away, you're going to go OT. That's just a tough one. I mean... What, what what's your feeling on there, Coach Lanning in his first year and I guess probably the way that they were chewing up, you know, yardage on the ground and they had over three hundred yards rushing against the Huskies, you figure you could probably get it. And you know, if he punts it, there's gonna be those naysayers going, Yeah, see, if you would have if you would have just gone for that yard, I know it was your own thirty-three, but you could have gone down and won the game. They've come up short. That takes them and UCLA out of the playoff picture. And it leaves a tough road to hoe for, you know, USC. Because even if USC, say, beats UCLA and then gets Oregon, say, in the title game, if it works out that way and they beat Oregon, there's still, you know, that luster that's off. But with those two teams losing at home, they'll have to beat up on Notre Dame pretty good to turn some heads and then they'll have to take care of business really in that pec 12 championship so sc's got to win all three games by double digits i'm convinced to make sure that they do indeed control their own destiny and even then probably do need some help chuck hayes but 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 real quick i mean as far as uh you know sc's past what What's your feeling, your gut? If they win all three, do you think they've got a good, solid chance to get in there, or do you think it's it's too much SEC, top-heavy, and we'd have to rely on TCU for sure losing one, and then probably Ohio State blowing out Michigan because I don't think it'll happen the other way around to eliminate those two teams, get them out of there, and then I think SC will have a decent shot.
3: You know, when you when you talk about what happened with Oregon, again, there was a lot of football, so I, m- I might get the sequence wrong I think Bo Nix got his bell rung a little bit. Remember, he went yep, down, yep. And, mm-hmm. and something was wrong. Something just didn't look right, and that's when that all that series went down, right? Here's, here's the way I see it. You know, Georgia's probably good enough to roll everybody, so they're going to spot. Ohio State, Michigan, one of those guys are going to lose. Um, Tennessee's not going to have to play anybody. Out. I believe they got Vandy this week.
1: No, so, uh, um, no, no they have week. South Carolina. South Carolina, South Carolina this week, and then Vandy, and then right, Vandy, right, right. Yeah,
3: so well, this should this should be good. LSU is going to play in a championship game, so SC just can't. You know, they can't mess up. They got they got to win, like you say, but they can only go so high. I think. I think that's really the the issue. Um, and again, they're going to say what happens with the two loss team like LSU. If they lose, they lose, You know, they go to three losses. SC wins out. Uh, you know, they might even get Utah back. I mean, that could that could happen. Remember, Utah was. Yeah, one I'd loss love that. Right.
1: I love that they'd have to win at Austin Stadium, and right. you make a good point. You, you make a good point too, because uh, not that LSU is going to lose at home to UAB. I think they'll get up for that game. It's a night game in Baton Rouge. Fans will make sure that they don't slip up. It's not a bad UAB team, and with Hopkins back at quarterback, they'll have a fighting chance. But then the last game, as miserable a year as it's been for Jimbo Fisher and Texas A and M, they're still at home in College Station, and you know they beat Bama there last year. They are still dangerous enough with all those young recruits. That are now, you know, in that lineup because there's been several that have been, you know, hurt and others that have been suspended. But yet they're still at College Station, and there is a chance that LSU could screw up. I mean, as good as Jaden Daniels has been in some big games, he played a pathetic game against Tennessee at home. So it, it can happen. It's college football, and that's what makes it great because you know there's not many. That would have given Arizona a fighting chance as far as going into Pasadena to play UCLA the way that the Bruin offense had been going, and there's a reason the Bruins were 20-point favorites. So it's college football, and that's what makes it great. Because just when you think you got it figured out,
3: you don't. Ken, think of how great this is for this town. That SC back from four and eight, one play away from being undefeated. You know, maybe having a chance to be up in there. UCLA, they're back. They did a great job this year. Okay, they lost Arizona. All the Bruin naysayers and the critics are on them hard. But, again, everyone's looking at this as, hey, this is an opportunity. There's going to be 73,000, I think, in the Rose Bowl that's announced is sold out. When Notre Dame comes in to play SC, they'll probably be close to 75 to 80, depending on on how many seats uh, they, they turn loose, you know, in the reconfigured Coliseum. Not like the days before it was 90,000. That's one thing that I missed, that every time SC played Notre Dame or UCLA, it was like New Year's Eve. It was just the greatest environment you could possibly want to be in. I, sometimes I think about it, and I just shake my head at how great the vibe was, the energy, the passion, the you know, the, everything about it meant, you know, the up, upper echelon of college football. And I think that's what you see, the glamour when those teams get together. And uh, going into Pasadena to play in a storied Rose Bowl, uh, this is going to be a fight. It's going to be a street fight. And Lincoln Riley and SC have to prove their toughness on defense. UCLA's defense is not that good. We saw it against Arizona. It could be one of those fifty-one-fifty uh, babies.
1: Yeah, which was one of my favorite albums. Uh, when Sammy Hager was there with Van Halen. So that was good no, stuff, a
3: man. Band. That's the Pasadena band. And that's one there, thing you you know, go. You know, they do at the end of the uh, third period in, in Gainesville with Tom Petty. I would imagine, I'm surprised they've never done that at, at UCLA, that they don't bring out some Van Halen on there. I think that would be the way to go Saturday night.
1: Yeah, well, I'm hoping that SC see Ben, that I'm hearing them in my sleep. That means it was a good night. Uh, hopefully they do take care of business, and then we'll, we'll look at Notre Dame. And, again, Notre Dame does have some big wins, including the whitewash of Clemson there in South Bend. Uh, what's your take on Tennessee? I mean, I, again, people are saying that, you know, the team looks that good. I mean, really, when they went into Baton Rouge and got that win, because the win at home against Bama, you know, And then Bama loses again, and then you see the close games they've had with Texas A&M. They were fortunate to get out of Oxford last week with a W against Ole Miss. I mean, this Bama team's definitely not what everybody anticipated, especially there in the Tuscaloosa area and throughout the state of Alabama because they thought that was going to be the defense of the ages, and maybe the best Bama defense in the last 20 years hasn't panned out that way. Look, with Bryce Young and company, they're still dangerous, and I know he missed a game this year, and, and that kid's capable of beating anybody. And they're just the one team that I'm just like, gosh, if there wasn't a Tennessee sitting there waiting in case Georgia screws up or if LSU, you know, beats Georgia, whatever, Tennessee's there. So that's probably the only thing that keeps Bama out Uh, because, you know, they, they could have probably gotten in there with two losses if everybody else screws up. But because Tennessee only has the game against South Carolina, at South Carolina, and then at Nashville against Vandy, look, It's not out of the realm of possibility that Columbia could be rocking this week, and if Hendon Hooker doesn't take care of the ball, they could be in trouble. But he's been beaten up on the weaker teams in the SEC, so we'll see if uh, Tennessee does indeed go unblemished and just end up with the one loss to Georgia. Uh, But I think LSU better be on upset alert when they go to A&M for sure. I think they beat UAB, but they better be focused when they go there because – A&M's got nothing to lose. They're a team that can pull off a fake punt and do crazy things because it doesn't matter. They're not going to even finish at 500. So, you know, you look at a team like that and you go, oh, yeah, we should roll them. But, Chuck, you know that game. That's when those guys become even more dangerous because they can roll the dice because it doesn't matter if they try a fake punt and it doesn't work out because they're expected to
3: lose. You know, Ken, you look at it, Tennessee and SC are twin sons of different mothers. Josh Heupel and Lincoln Riley, offensive minds, Oklahoma ties, right? And right. then you got Hooker and you got Caleb Williams, uh, guys that are making it happen at the at the trigger position, and uh, great core receivers and the tradition. Uh, nothing like uh, uh, the Vols and Rocky Top and SC and Fight On. You look at this top ten: Georgia Bulldogs, Ohio State, Michigan. TCU, the long history of of the Southwest Conference, and now TCU representing the Big 12, number four. Think about Fort Worth, Texas, and how exciting it must be to see them at 10 and 0. And then, of course, Brian Kelly, who I didn't give him a, a shot to bring LSU back to eight and two, and then Nick Saban, the storyline of hey, they got two Rosses, but you know one was on the last play of the game, and you know they're. They're, they're struggling, but hey, they're still right there at number eight, and Bryce Young is as good as they get. Clemson, a very quiet 9-1. Utah, Kyle Whittingham doing a great job, the number 10 in the country. And then James Franklin at Penn State with two losses. Oregon with a first-year coach with two losses. Mack Brown at North Carolina, they're 9-1. No one's talking about them being a top five program. Then you got right. Lane at Ole Miss, and is he going to stay or is he going to Auburn? Then K-State always under the radar at seven and three, and then the Bruins at eight and two, along with Washington, who's much improved. Notre Dame, and then no one's talking about Florida State seven and three, and then Central Florida with a group of great athletes, and of course, you know their guy. Uh, 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 their head coach, who you know, was unceremoniously canned at Auburn, having success there, and then the Green Wave of Tulane. I mean, this is a great college football season.
1: Uh, Chuck, real quick, do you think that Auburn's a better job than Ole Miss? I mean, at this stage of the game, I mean, Kiffin's already been in Knoxville. Of course, he was coordinator there in Tuscaloosa. I don't think he go- he goes to Auburn. I mean, I know you know maybe they they throw some money at him, but. Oxford's they, the, Ole Miss has money. Archie Manning's got money. I mean, come on, man. Yeah. Ole Miss, Ole Miss I, I can't see him going. He's building something there.
3: I don't see Archie writing checks. I'm sorry. I just don't see it. He's not that kind of guy. I think he's supportive, <laughs> but to a point. No, here's the national perspective on Auburn. Is well, Eli better so then. What about money. Eli? Yeah, they let Eli so write so the much. checks. I don't think Eli's writing checks either. I think he's, he's cashing checks. I think go. what happens at Auburn, that that's a $10 million job. Gus Malzahn, they paid him $19 million, I think, to go away, Ken. There's resources there. There's NIL money there. It's Auburn versus Alabama. Don't ever think that whatever happens at Bama that Auburn says, hey, we can do better. And I think that's the scenario. You're looking at right now the names on the block yeah. Are Hugh Freeze and Lincoln. I was gonna say,
1: Hugh Freeze has got to be an SEC guy that but Hugh he's Freeze he's, just he stayed lost away long enough.
3: UConn. I
1: know. Hugh,
3: Hugh Freeze just lost to Yukon and Jim Mora.
1: That's yeah, I get it. it. But but if they but you look at UConn and all of a sudden they're bowl eligible and that'll blow your mind after amazing. eleven games, right? Yes, I mean an they beat the story, they, they Jim Mora, beat, congratulations. Yep. And they beat Fresno State at home. I mean that was the first eye opener. Yes. And so yeah, I, they I get it. College. Man.
3: Yep, Boston College no got a chance against Notre Dame this week. That will not be an easy game for Notre Dame. Remember, no. they were they went in there and beat NC State. NC That's State's right. ranked twenty fourth in the country, and this is team
1: got a new quarterback. This kid, Moorhead, Emmett Moorhead, can throw the ball for Boston College. He came in there because Jurkovic is down, and he's done a nice job. He engineered that 21-20 win in Raleigh.
3: Think about it, Ken. UConn beat Boston College. Boston College beat NC State, if Notre Dame loses to Boston College, they're going to be dancing in the streets of stores.
1: Yeah, we don't want them to lose as USC fans because we need them to to be solid on a win coming into the Coliseum. And, uh, you know, again, that, that makes that Clemson win look that much more powerful. And, again, remember, they're the only ones that handed North Carolina a loss. And not only did they win in Chapel Hill, they beat them down pretty good down there. I mean, that game got closer at the end because North Carolina was able to put up a couple touchdowns. And, again, that's the only loss for the Heels. Drake may having a great year. They did get Josh Downs, their leading receiver from last year, back for that game. He had a couple touchdowns, but only about 35 yards receiving, if I remember correctly. All right, so you like uh, – would you, would you play SC? I'm just going to watch the game. I mean, it, uh, but, I mean, if, if you had to bet the game, would you play SC or would you take UCLA?
3: i think I think it's too close i i don 't think yes he can stop anybody they haven 't proven that, even Colorado moved the football on him running, and that 's one thing the UCLA can do Charbonnet can run, and so can uh d t r uh when he 's right there's nobody you know he 's right there with caleb i mean that this is this is personal now here 's what happened i think i think d t r got a little bit over his skis a little bit. I think he was he let Caleb Williams get in his head a little bit. There's been a lot of attention on Caleb. I mentioned that national you know, beverage spot. If you're a kid and you've been in L.A. for five years and you beat SC last year the way they did, you've got to say, hey, man, I need more attention on myself. It's my senior year. It's my last go-around. He's got to stay in the zone against SC, and their defense has not stopped anybody all year long. So yep. this is a recipe for a high-scoring football game. That's as good as I can say.
0: All
1: right, uh, that's really the, the, the biggest game outside. Of, what about TCU at Baylor? TCU's a slight favorite. i got to give the Horn Frogs and Sonny Dykes a ton of credit because I really didn't think they'd win in Austin. I thought that was finally going to be, you know, the end because we saw Texas and Sarkisian's guys get up for the Bama game early in the year before anybody else thought Bama may have, a, uh, you know, a couple holes in that unit. They were right there and lost the game by a point. They lost Quinn Ewers, their quarterback, and then Hudson Card, their backup got banged up, but they were right there for the taking. So what about TCU now? Because Sonny Dykes comes away with a monster win, and now he goes to Baylor. The worst thing, I think, that happens for TCU going into that game is that Baylor and Dave Aranda's boys just got waxed at home by Kansas State 31-3. to So while the public may look and go, oh, they're going to get – they're going to get crushed by TCU as well. A lot of times teams rebound. Very rarely do they get blown out on their home field, especially a proud program like Baylor. What kind of game do we see TCU at Baylor? Right now, Horned Frogs minus 2.5, 58 the total.
3: Again, I, I, look, I liken to what they've been doing the last couple of weeks. And, you know, they gave up 24 to Tech. They gave up 31 to Virginia West Virginia. They gave up 28 to K-State. Uh, they gave up 40 to Oki State. They've been there. They've been right there, but they've been able to get it done. And uh, it just, you know, they got two more, you know, uh, two more big ones with Baylor and, and, and Iowa State. And you never know. It's just when you're when you're undefeated. Look at the Eagles on Monday night. That's the way I feel. That yep. you're one game away. You're you're playing. You know, you're undefeated. That's a heavy burden to carry around. When you're not used to doing it and you're not expecting to be that team, it depends on how well they keep their heads right, and that's one of the things that you look at. You'll if you can kick it and play defense, you're always in the game, and you don't, you know, you do get in a shootout. You don't want to be in one of those football games.
1: There you go, and Shuck will be ready to roll uh, in in his game. I'm trying to remember. What uh, uh, I'm trying to remember if he's starting? I think he's starting uh, this week for. That's for—is uh, that correct? Is he? I, I can't. I always get mixed up whether or not Shuck went to Baylor or whether he went to Texas Tech. Or God, I got all the all that stuff there. I'm just like too many great players Ken, too many I'm telling great you. Yeah, no, Ch- yeah, Shuck the transfer from Oregon is at Texas Tech. So yeah, and Bay- Baylor has struggled. I I mean, I remember in Brewer, of course, leaving that program for a while, and 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 then of course uh, you know you had Bohannon transfer to South Florida. So they've they've had a couple uh, you know quarterbacks that have not been happy with their playing time and have bailed and so we'll see if they can rebound because that's an embarrassing loss as I said 31-3 to at home in Waco very rarely does Baylor get beat like they do uh, like they did, I should say, last week. Blake Shapin, that's the kid I was thinking of. I, I'm seeing Shuck and Shapin, uh, uh he will play 13 touchdowns, eight interceptions. We'll see if he can get it done for the Baylor Bears at home. Let me jump over to the NFL real quick because the Chargers impressed me in the first half. And, again, still without Keenan Allen, still without Mike Williams, you know, putting a lot more pressure on Austin Eckler. But I thought Herbert played pretty cerebral football in that first half, and I thought the Chargers' defense controlled the Niners. Uh, I, I don't know. It was tough to watch uh, Jimmy Garoppolo having trouble. He, the, the offensive line kind of melted down some penalties, and I, I thought the Chargers were going to win the game. And I had the Niners teased to two pretty good-sized plays. I, they only had to win the game by two points because I laid one. Uh, but I thought at halftime, I go, man, I, I'm going to get beat. They're not going to win this game. Their defense stepped up and, and really shut down the the Chargers. But I, I'm going to play the Chargers to win the AFC at 30-1. to right now because they have Joey Bosa coming back you're gonna have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen coming back they just have to make the postseason that Chargers team is going to be dangerous what about the Chargers at home against the Chiefs any chance they get any of these guys back on offense I know Williams not going to be back can Keenan Allen actually get in the lineup and you know because if they can get a win against Kansas City I think this Chargers team at six and four is going to have some momentum and they're going to be a dangerous wild card team if they can get healthy
3: well this- game has been flexed to prime time because Mahomes is going up against Herbert, and their defensive line is is shredded right now. they got a lot of injuries on the the defensive. You know, they let Jerry Tillery go just outright released him. him. I don't know what happened. I didn't get any updates in regards to why, but, you know, George Allen, you know, defensive line were a premium. He used to call him Rushman, and he could never have enough. In fact, the funny story about Allen is that Coach Allen, every single defensive lineman that was cut in preseason was brought into the Rams or Redskins to be worked out. And then in the season, if a defensive lineman was released, he was automatically brought into L.A. Just, or, or Washington just to see if they could add depth to this team. You know, Ken, I'd like to be optimistic about the Chargers, but I look at the last, the last game I saw in person was the Seahawks 37-23 game. In the, on October 23rd, and uh, this is, of course, coming off the Monday night win of you know three points against the Broncos, and they really, really struggle. They struggle running the ball. They really, they have the same thing. That, it must be something about SoFi. They cannot run the ball consistently to give their defense time on the, to get off the field, and that's the thing with Mahomes. They score so quickly in Kansas City that that's going to be a challenge if they get into a track meet, uh, Herbert you know he's a tendency to throw some picks i mean he just he does i still think he's he's getting better from the rib injury but i still don't think he's 100 percent.
1: all right kansas city looks Sorry like Hard to rain on to your parade on that no buddy, that's but, okay but no, no i, I is... we'll see we'll see that's why they play the games man yeah banya and uh covington both on ir for the Chargers. chuck Char- talked about him letting go of tillery so yeah that's tough when uh when do we get uh joey bosa back
3: don't know. I think it's day to day. Still, I, again, when I watch this this season, it just players just go down, and you, nobody, you know, they always say this. No one feels sorry because everyone's going through the same thing. It's true. Uh, the travel and the and the games and and the competition uh, and keeping your body right. It's just a, it's just a week to week thing. I th- I mean, you see it in practice. Players get hurt in practice now, and they're not even going hard. Achilles, knee. You know, I saw Cooper Cup go down on Sunday, and that was, you know, post mortems of, of two weeks prior when he got hurt. I'm convinced of that that is part of that injury.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, got about two minutes to go. Uh, real quick, let me throw a game at you. What about the Thursday night game tomorrow night with the Titans? They're all banged up against the Packers who found a way to come back and beat the Cowboys. Who do you like? Packers are now up to minus three at home against the Titans.
3: Yeah, see, I think you know that home field that Lambo has is going to be cold. It's going to be uh, one of those deals, but you know how much of Derrick Henry and uh, are we going to get, and can they stop him? I think the Packers emotionally got a big lift, and uh, to give them that win against the Cowboys, I think that raises the bell. I think again, um, you know, Rodgers when he's on and he feels good, they're you know they're unstoppable. You know, he's good for four hundred yards now. Do you ever see Aaron Rodgers on his tail? Very rarely, and I think that's the key for what Mike Vrabel and their defense has got to do. All
1: right, last one I'll throw at you real quick. How about the Cowboys off the loss where they blow a two-touchdown lead at Lambeau against the Vikings in that crazy, crazy game in Buffalo. Somehow they found a way to get it done. Vikings at home, Cowboys minus one and a half, forty-seven and a
3: half. 47 mm, and You know, I, I still think Kirk Cousins doesn't get the respect he should. And uh, with Jefferson, I saw Jefferson, and I said, man, now I understand why Stephon Diggs got traded. This guy is flipping unbelievable. I'm going to ride the Vikings at home. And Kevin O'Connell, I think the Rams miss Kevin O'Connell, believe it or not. I think Sean McVay really misses him, and they're getting it done in Minnesota.
1: Chuck Hayes, all I'm asking you is for one one little favor, man. Beat the Bruins, bro. That's all I can ask. (laughs)
3: You know, let I me mean, give you a plug. Saturday night, we'll be able to do the wrap-up show at 9 o'clock with Coach Hyde and give you the insight. It's going to be a great one, and it sets the stage for a week later at Notre Dame. We just love this time of year. We wait, we wait, we wait, and then it comes so fast, and here we are talking about uh, the final two regular season games.
1: All right, Iron Man, I'll talk to you next week, man. Always appreciate it. Chuck Hayes. you the best. Thank you so much. Have a great night. There you go, my good man Chuck Hayes. Love talking football with that guy. Not as much NFL tonight because of the big USC UCLA game, and we'll see how things pan out. About do it for me here at Steiner's Pub. Always appreciate you know the hospitality that I get here. You two can experience it all three Steiner's Pub locations: seventeen fifty North Buffalo, where KT is every Wednesday; eighty one sixty eight Las Vegas Boulevard South. That's over on the Las Vegas Strip, right there in between South Point and Mandalay Bay, and then the original in their twenty fifth year, eighty four ten west cheyenne so uh just a fast moving show our, our prayers and condolences with mark lawrence who lost his sister uh hopefully he'll be back next wednesday but our prayers with the lawrence family at this time going to do it for us tomorrow night it is another throwback thursday great show coming up till then you know the rules no drinking and driving no texting and driving most of all god bless our troops god bless you live from vegas sports X radio i'm ken thompson folks have a great evening talk to you later good night everybody